0: Um, Tim, go ahead and share just a little perspective for us for what you have learned. So, as I mean, most of you guys know my wife is working at the hospital at Sanford, and she's been working this weekend. And she said this weekend has been the hardest weekend she's ever had to work in her life at Sanford, and she's been there for probably 10 to 12 years now. And she just says it is overwhelming at this moment um, with – Just COVID and whatever else. She's worked on the COVID unit. She says they don't have enough beds. They have people, you know, they had nine people sitting in the emergency room waiting to get a bed in the COVID unit. Um, And they just don't, they don't have the space. And she says it's crazy. The nurses are getting burnt out. Anytime she can work, they want her to work. So we just need to pray for our healthcare facility places right now because she says, I mean, they're taking people, they're overbooked here and they're still taking people from North Dakota and from different hospitals. They don't have any place to put anybody right now. So, and she felt like it was the worst weekend for her because she couldn't provide the care that she knows she could. And it's not that they don't have the stuff to help them. That just takes so long. Um, Somebody on the COVID unit, they have to go get stuff somewhere else. I mean, that's just not in that room. So it takes time. And as you know, if you're sick and hurting and something that could take five minutes to get takes an hour and a half to get or two hours, She says, it's really hard on the people and the, the, just the patience of everybody there. And when people are sick and hurting, you know, we're not in the best moods. So, and the nurses there are just getting overworked and overwhelmed. She said, so she said, like, like I said, it's been the worst, it's been the hardest thing for her and her ever working there. She said this past weekend. So Mm. she just says, we need to lift up and pray for the nurses or for all the nurses and all the care workers and the doctors and, just the people that are in charge in general at how to handle the, because they're opening more rooms and they're opening up more beds, but they don't have the nurses and people to take care of them. So just that thought from them and just praying for the, our healthcare people right now. Okay.
1: Yeah. I just wanted to have them give that uh short update because we're, we hear things. We don't know what's, up sometimes and not sure with the news everything that's going on so we uh, in our particular community the uh, virus is spread through and some people have symptoms some people don't have symptoms some people have to stay away from their jobs some people are in quarantine and it's all in a different uh, stages and sometimes you have to go back on quarantine and so that's the that's part of the Mess we're in right now, and I just wanted to let us aware of that. We'll uh, we're going to go into the sermon, but we'll have a time of sharing at the end, like we've done last time, just so that we know that uh, our particular uh, personal concerns are not going to be um, over the internet, except for our small group of of church family, and so that's uh, kind of how we're um, having our. Agenda go. So we focus mostly on our sermon for what goes online. So if you open your Bibles to First Peter, we've been traveling through First Peter for several months, and it's exciting to uh, both know that we made it through, and it's exciting to come near the end and to just continue to have one uh, learning lesson after another. And. So I prepared a sermon this morning out of First Peter. And then early, early this morning, the Lord uh, led me to, as best I can understand it at this point in my life, to a different section of Scripture, which we're going to go to. But I want to just start out in Peter, because uh, he's addressing and has addressing as he closes the letter to give... I I get the picture that he's passing on the baton of caring for people. And so he's going to say some of the most important things he can say in the closing of his letter. And we made it to about uh, verse 5 where it says young men, and depending on which translation you're going to read, it could say young men or it could say you younger people. And he's addressing people of youth and he's telling them in the same way be submissive. The idea is to be humble. And I wanted to just, my definition this morning of humility wasn't something I got out of the dictionary, but it's just pondering that, think about this statement of being humble, you yourself and me, myself, in the midst of all that's going on with the crisis politically, the crisis with COVID, the, the difficulties and the troubles in different cities, and you may not know what you think you know. You most likely don't know what you think you know. You certainly do not know what you think you know. When you think about humility, life is about learning and it's constantly learning, constantly adjusting your perspective to what you think you know, to what you really know and what can be known and what you have yet to learn. And so when Peter addresses these young people, he says, listen, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older than you. All of, all of you, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so now I want to take you to a place in Scripture where this morning as I was preparing, not just in the last half hour or anything like that, but as I'm praying and preparing, the Lord took me to several Scriptures in response probably to the last week and a half of phone calls, emails, conversations that I receive. Um, As the pastor, people responding to... Uh, not only COVID, but now with the, the election in the, in the place the elections at right now. um, Maybe you're celebrating because the person you want got in, maybe you're frustrated and sick to your stomach because the person you want didn't get in and vice versa, wherever you at, you're at in your particular understanding God has a message for us in the sense that now, once again, it's your time as a Christian to decide where your trust is going to be, to decide who's and what is sovereign in your life, to where do you turn, where do you turn for comfort and peace And what are your attitudes and your actions exposing of you in this topsy-turvy time? There's only one throne you should look to for peace. And it's not the presidency of the American United States, but the throne of heaven and earth. There's only one ruler you need for direction. And it's the one who never will leave you nor forsake you. The one that can never be outdone, outvoted, outwitted, outlived, outserved, outloved, outclassed, the only wise God. So as a Christian, our response continues to be the same. You be the hands and feet of Jesus in your neck of the woods. You love God. You love people. You guard and govern attitude and your actions with wisdom and self-control, and a deliberate attention to listen to the Holy Spirit as He leads us through, and He leads believers all over the world through very difficult times. And uh, Psalm 75 says this, No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt a man. But it is God who judges, He brings one down, he exalts another. He brings one up. He brings another down. It is God who is char- in charge. And so we're going to spend some time this morning in Psalm 37. And as I was reading through First Peter, and I have been reading through First Peter, and so have you these last couple of weeks, Peter was a, a Jewish person who would have been steeped in the Old Testament. So at the time, That Old Testament included the Psalms that he would have had available to him, the prayers that Jesus would have probably been drawing from, the prayers and the history of the people. So if you turn to Psalm 37, we're going to go through that, but you're going to see that in the background of Peter's words, echoes, verses, and principles, and ideas of Psalm 37. And other places in scripture. Now. Before you, we read through Psalm 37. I want you just to just give you a little reminder. We don't know exactly what time in David's life that he wrote this psalm. There's no introduction to this psalm. Like there is to other psalms. Except that it says a psalm of David. Right? You can read that. You, you see Psalm 37. Then it says of David. So. I just saw another note that it, it seemed to be that it was later in his life when he wrote this. So let me remind you just of a couple things from some of his experiences and his perspectives. His own brothers mocked him when he arrived, when he first started meeting David, when he arrived on the battle scene, right? And he, he next, he, right after that, he encounters Goliath, but his own brothers mocked him. And maybe in the last couple of months or weeks, and some of the ideas you've had, you you could have been mocked or you mocked other people. Something to consider. The king who hired him for comfort tried to spear him several occasions. So here he's hired as a musician to comfort the king. And soon after that, the king attempts to assassinate him several times. Think about the position. You have a king that's trying to assassinate you. Then that same king who hunted him across the country with the most powerful army of the day was the same king who gave him his daughter as a, as a celebration to be his son-in-law and then took that wife away from him. The people he protected... Turned against him. His own son led a conspiracy to take his throne. His God appointed throne. His own son slept with his wives in broad daylight. His own son attempted to make a mockery of him. And then the captain of his own army betrayed him by then killing his son. There's just a couple examples. So this man who writes this. Listen. You and I in five lifetimes, probably are not going to go through some of the experiences of pain and the highs and lows that David experienced. That's not to belittle where you're at or where I'm at, but to just get some perspective. This isn't somebody who's just writing some fluffy words. He's lived some brutal experiences in his life. And so when we come to Psalm 37 and he says, do not fret just stop and ponder the word of God. This is not an invitation. Fret or not fret. This is a command to those who believe God. Do not fret. It was interesting looking up um, this word fret to burn or be kindled with anger, to worry, describing the agitation, the irritation or the vexation of, resulting from active worry. There's connected with this word fret in the Hebrew language that is connected to boiling water, because boiling water sizzles. And when it sizzles, it makes a noise. So to sizzle, to seethe, to bubble like boiling water, to be disturbed, distraught, troubled, fret, fuss, complain, grumble, and moan. And I thought, that is interesting. So Psalm 37, let's go through, and we're going to just, I don't have uh, the time to unpack every verse, and that's not my intention, but to just bring attention as a Christian to realign where is your hope set, where is your trust set, who is sovereign in your life, not what you say, but what your actions demonstrate. Do not fret because of evil men. Or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither. Like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the new day sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. And it's interesting, refrain from anger is another way of saying, do not fret. Four times in these first few verses, he says, do not fret. Refrain from anger and turn from evil. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek, they will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those who are, whose ways are upright. But their sword will pierce their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord, and his inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In the days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked will bury, burrow, and do not repay. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be cut off. If the Lord delights in a man's ways, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just, and he will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever, but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks what is just. The law of his God is in his heart. His feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives. But the Lord will not leave them in their power. Or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in native soil. But he soon passed away and he was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless, observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace, but all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. And my little footnote says in my handwriting, the salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord, not from president, political parties, human promises, not from parades or platforms or platitudes, but from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. I have been spending some time in Psalm 37 and I find great encouragement there and I was asking myself a question what would it be what would Psalm 37 be like if you took out the rep- repetitions, now I know this morning, maybe in the past you've read Psalm 37, but you didn't have time to analyze it this morning as we read through. Uh, do not fret four times if you include the one that says, uh, do not uh, be angry. 13, 15 times uses the, the phrase, the wicked or wicked referring to wicked people. And then you step back and it says, wait for the Lord two times and trust in the Lord two times. And then it says seven times inherit the land. Now the word inherit the land may not mean much to us. It would mean more to like a farmer. And it would be more to people who who looked at the idea of inheriting the land as it says in 1 Peter chapter 1 that our inheritance is in heaven kept for us without fading, spoiling, or um, fade, spoil, or perish. Kept for you in heaven. So when he says that the, the righteous will inherit the land, but the wicked will not, it's not about getting a chunk of property. It's about receiving inheritance in the sense that it could certainly be property, but it's much more inheritance of a walk with God the richness of fellowship with God, the presence of God, the uh, rewards of God. And so this inherit the land seven times and the word, the idea of upholding a couple times. So if you stripped it down, it would say something like this. Most, most of the things we fret about are because we don't have our eyes on the lord or we have our eyes on people who we think are succeeding when we don't see the temporariness of their succession or their succeeding and entrust yourself to god's care that's psalm 37 as i step back and i hear peter echoing first peter 419 entrust yourself to the Continue to do good in your suffering and entrust yourself to your faithful Creator. So, there's going to be ups and downs in our life. There's going to be things that we are outside our control. But we're to continually fix our eyes on the Lord and put our hope and our trust in Him. He never says we won't face trouble and suffering and difficulty he does say he will never leave us nor forsake us in our suffering and that he'll be with us in our suffering. Most of the pain might come from trying to get out of trouble rather than trusting God in and through the trouble. Think about what that might mean. Your mind, like my mind springs to trying to manipulate circumstances and situations outside our control. And how, to, how we can position ourselves to get out of difficulty. When, what if we said, wait on the Lord, wait patiently on the Lord, trust in him? And we look to him for his salvation and his deliverance, as the psalm is telling us, and we humble ourselves before the Lord. Do not fret. The wicked are short lived and headed for trouble. That's the true perspective of Psalm 37. It says, don't fret. If you're fretting over things that you assume in your mighty wisdom and your great expanse of knowledge, you've got it figured out. Don't fret. They're short-lived and headed for trouble. Trust God for his great salvation as he leads you to your inheritance. Here's what we know, here's what we don't know. In 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, "In the last days there will be terrible times. Well, evil men will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned. Turn to the scriptures. And so 2 Timothy chapter 3 ends with that great verse, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped, ready for every good work. You and I keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes in scripture, fixed on his word, fixed on his promises. It could get a whole lot worse. That's what the scriptures tell us. It could get a whole lot worse. Lots of things being said. While we wait to see what happens, we pray, we proclaim, we entrust ourselves to our faithful creator, and we continue to do good. We continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We continue to love God and love people, and we look more and more to scripture and less and less to media more and more to him for our comfort and our strength and our courage and less to the disturbing things that we don't know up or down yet. It's interesting, some of us know this, as I was already mentioned, that even little Faith had a seizure yesterday that broke her body cast. And we think we've got issues. A particular Christian leader was a a fretful man. And uh, he saw the glass half empty and his eyes were always on everything that was wrong and everything in his life was wrong. And on one occasion, he was an extra fretful that day. And his sensible servant said to him, Sir, do you think God governed the world well before you came into it? Yes, why do you ask? Sir, don't you think God will govern the, well, the world well after you're gone? Of course I do. Well then, can't you trust him to govern the world well while you're in it for this bit of time? And we need to be careful of our perspective. In You can keep your hand in Psalm Uh, 37, we're going to definitely get back to it. But in Proverbs 24, it says this. Proverbs 24, verse 19 says this. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of the wicked for the evil man has no future hope and the lamp of the wicked will be snuffed out what we need is a proper perspective of the passing idea of what we think is prosperity or problems. They're both passing. The wicked scripture says are like grass. None of us will get away with anything, but as Christians, at least we can know We have forgiveness through Christ. The wicked man has temporary titillation, but forever pain. The righteous man may have temporary trouble, but forever pleasure. A farmer was bragging about his field. He was going on and on about all that he had done in his fields and his work and how well his crops were doing and how great they looked. And he was bragging about it all the time. One of the workers who understood that God sends the rain and God sends the sun and God made the soil said to him, Notice the stalks as you look at the fields. There are some that are very tall and erect, while there are others that are bowed down. The ones that are bowed down are the most full, the ones that stand the tallest are empty. There's a small group of preachers being held for trial. Uh, This was in back in the reformation days and certain death was what they were facing for preaching the gospel. And they were being put on trial for heresy because the, the leaders of the day, the people in power of the day didn't believe the same way they believed about the scriptures. So the, uh, They were facing in the morning being burned at the stake. One of the younger in the group said to the older, who was going to, he was already sentenced to burning at the stake in the morning, he said, Listen, please, please, I must know if it's true. Does he answer prayer? Is this real? Will he sustain us? Is it true that he'll never leave us nor forsake us? Is God really there? Give me a sign. So please raise your hand tomorrow so I can know. And you can't do it right away. You got to do it at the most intense time. Raise your hand. So as they lit the fire to this older man, the younger was watching And uh, there was no movement, no screams, nothing. And then after quite a period of time when he could barely see him, he didn't raise one hand. He raised both hands and clapped. That's what we need to do. We need to look back and say, what does Scripture tell us in the midst of trials, in the midst of suffering, Do not fret, do not fret, do not fret, do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. We could spend all that time and energy in prayer. We could spend all that time and energy learning scripture so that we have promises to tell to people when they call us who are fretting. And we're not trying to belittle somebody who's fretting during this fretful time. There's plenty of cause for stress and strain and difficulty right now. But there's plenty of promises in God's word. Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Rather than spending time fretting, complaining, belittling people that we oppose, we could pray for them because if they don't know God, they'll soon be done. They're like grass and they're going to wither. And we presume we're the ones who won't wither. We presume to be the righteous ones. I would be careful with that. And I would go back to say, thinking what Peter told those people, humble yourselves, clothe yourselves with humility, because God is opposed to the proud. I can guarantee there's been some pride in my life, according to certain things, in these last couple weeks. Because I thought, because of what I thought I knew. Because what I thought I understood. And as I allow myself, and as I attempt to humble myself before the Lord, look to Him and consider what is He telling me? What is He inviting me to? Do not fret. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. While I'm complaining about the troubles in the world around me, I could be dwelling in the land. Remember when um, in... John chapter 1, verse 14, it said, And he came among them and dwelt. The word became flesh and dwelt among them. We would miss and probably have missed some times of delighting in the Lord in these last couple of weeks. And I guarantee you'll miss some times of delighting in the Lord in the future if you're not taking Scripture seriously where it tells you fretting is a sin. Do not fret. Trust in God. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the new day sun. When? When is this going to happen? Everything we read about in scripture is pointing to a future. It says in Hebrews 11, they were looking for None of those who lived this life had yet received what was promised, yet they looked forward. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Wouldn't you, I mean, if you're like me, you just want that to echo through the world right now. You want it to, to echo to us free Americans with our fretting that's leading us to riding in our streets. And who knows what will happen in the next couple of weeks and months. Refrain and turn from wrath. It leads only to evil. evil. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And I'm thinking that this repetitive inheritance of the land it could very well mean, speaking to the Jew of the time, that you're going to inherit the land. We have Jerusalem. God keeps his eye on Jerusalem. This is our holy city. This is our place. But the bigger picture as you step back. It's greater than you can ask or imagine. It's greater than your feeble mind can comprehend what God has in store for those who love him. No eye can see, no ear can hear, no mind can comprehend what God has in store. We get all of this in heaven too. And while we're fretting, we could be missing out on opportunities to love people well, to love people well, and to pour into lives right now who definitely have reasons for shaking. If you didn't know the Lord the way you know him, I can guarantee you would realize this is a tense time to be alive. So be careful if you get haughty. Look down on other people for their struggle, for their fretting, for their worry. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. The wicked plot against the righteous and mash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy to slay those who are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts. Wow. Nobody else needs our condemnation, our judgment, our mockery. What they need is our prayers, our love, our humility, our brokenness, our seeking of the Lord. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord And their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In the days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. The Lord's enemies will be like the beauty of the fields. They will vanish, vanish like smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously, Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land. Those he curses will be cut off. The Lord is the decider. He's the one. He brings one up and brings another down. If the Lord delights in a man's ways, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, and now I am old. Yet I would never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Turn from evil and do good. Same phrase again, hidden there is do not fret. Do not fret and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever for the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever, but the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks what is just. You know, we could spend our time thinking about what's going to happen in the next couple weeks or the future, and how it would pan out if this happened or if this happened. Or we could spend our time, some of our time, hopefully that would lead us to prayer, but we could also spend our time contemplating our inheritance. What could it possibly mean that you will inherit the land? What could it possibly mean? It may mean that you might let something go that you're holding on to right now as precious that's not so precious. If we could see what's really precious. Maybe we would let some of those things go that are holding us back from really delighting, from really moving forward in our walk with the Lord. The law of God is in His feet do not slip. The wicked lie and wait for the righteous seeking their very lives, but the Lord will not leave them in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Wait for the Lord And keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in its native soil. But he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace. But all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. When you go back this week and you spend some time uh, searching through the scriptures again and you end up in 1 Peter, hear the echo of psalm 37 in first peter let's pray father we do thank you for the the privilege and opportunity to gather this morning in your name to look into your word and god we pray that you we could hear you tell each of us do not fret do not be afraid wait on the lord trust in him And so that we can entrust ourselves to our faithful creator and continue to do good so that we wouldn't be crippled by fear and worry that we wouldn't be overwhelmed with the difficulty and the trouble, but God that we could not, not avoid it, but in the midst of it that we could raise our hands and clap because you are faithful. You are good and you are there in the midst of the storm And you will always be there in the midst of the storm. So, Father, I pray that you'd restore our hope and our confidence in you. And we thank you for the shaking. So that we can get our feet on you, the solid rock. And we can let the sand go from our hands and cling to you. We thank you for your grace and your goodness and your love. In Jesus' name, amen.